Welcome back, loyal listeners. I am McLean. I'm Adam. And one of us is always right. Today, we're going to be getting ready and excited by talking about some recent trailers. Uh, we're going to be discussing Palm Springs with Andy Samberg, which I recommended last week. We also have a special discussion of Godfather Part 2, which Adam insisted that I watch after Yay. our blast from the past section last week. Well, and I, I knew I needed to watch it. So mm-hmm. uh, then Adam is going to be recommending two TV shows yep. that he thinks I might enjoy. I will pick one of those to watch uh, for our next episode. And finally, we will have a blast from the past that we'll be talking about some amazing movies or TV shows from the past. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing 1978, the year of Andy Samberg's birth. But before we do any of that, let's get excited by talking about some trailers for upcoming shows or movies. Adam, what are you excited about this week? I am excited about a new Martin Scorsese film um, okay. coming out in October called Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. I saw this trailer. So this is um, about uh, 1920s, I believe. Um Indian white people relations and there's a series of murders and Indians, um, the land that the Osage, um, tribe is on, it has a ton of oil. Um, and yeah. so this is the 1920s, like I said, and it's, a you know, that's a, a big time, big boon for the oil, oil, oil industry. Cars are starting to be more popular and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's, a it, it looks really good. Here's the cast. And just tell me if the cast alone isn't worth watching. Uh, DiCaprio, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro, yep. Jesse Plemons, yep. John Lithgow, yep. um, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Uh, it's just stacked. Um, yeah. Scott Shepard is a guy you, you know, you just, you don't know kind of a no, you know, like yeah. you, you see the face, you go, Oh, I know that guy. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a really, really good Lily Gladstone. Um, is in it as well and I've seen her in a few other things and Tantu Cardinal she is um, I, th- I think that there's because they're a smaller population be- unfortunately there's few um, uh, Native American actors and yeah. so you tend to see faces a lot more um, and Tantu Cardinal is one of them and she every time I've ever seen her is just fantastic she's He's incredibly in dances talented. with wolves yes yeah yeah just incredibly talented um i love watching her and stuff so i'm really really excited about this um i think it's gonna be really good it's scorsese um it's two and a half hours long um but this is the the synopsis based on david grand's broadly lauded best-selling book killers of the flower moon is set in 1920s oklahoma and depicts the serial murder of members of the oil wealthy osage nation or osagi i'm not I think it's Osage Nation, a string of brutal crimes that came to be known as the Reign of Terror. So um, I'm sure it's a Hollywoodized telling of a time in American history, but it yeah. looks really, really well done. Yeah. No, I, I saw this trailer a little while ago. Uh, I'm excited to see Scorsese and DiCaprio team up, you know, whenever whenever they're doing that. Uh, I like when Scorsese's not you know, has Robert De Niro in his actual age. I think that's going to be good. (laughs) Uh, So no, yeah, this looks really interesting. I think he always has a cool, fresh take on Mm -hmm. different genres. So this is him doing a Western, which I don't think he's really done before. I can be wrong. He's done so much. I mean, it's a Western, but like not even a modern day, but also not a true Western. So it's 1920s. Um, and it just happens to be set in Oklahoma. Um, 
So I think it's uh, it the, the on Rotten Tomatoes listed as crime drama. Yeah, but I'm sure it's it's still going to have that that heavy Western influence because I mean, how could you not? Um, but it's going to be really good. What's your favorite DiCaprio uh, Scorsese team up? I don't know. Um, that's a really that's a really good question. Um, in, oh, I never saw Shutter Island. Um, so for sure, not that one <laughs> at the moment. Okay. Um, I'd say it's probably down to uh, The Departed or The Aviator. Two great ones, yeah. I'd probably lean The Aviator just because it's so um, grand and epic. Yeah, that's my, that's my number two as well. Okay. Um, just because that character is so interesting. Yeah. Like he just had like four different lives that he lived mm. in one, right, one yeah. lifetime. And so just the whole whole thing with him was just so fascinating. Um, for me, it's Gangs of New York. I think really? <laughs> it's definitely my favorite. I have actually cool... never finished Gangs of New York. Oh, it's great. I've tried like two or three times. And I I think I just have made the mistake of trying when I've always been a little tired or late at yeah. night. And so I, I've been able, I've been, I've told myself I'm going to pause here and pick it up the next day. And then I just don't. Um, yeah. So I know it's, it's got really great uh, reviews, although it is, it is fourth um, on the Rotten Tomatoes scale, yeah. um, which I find interesting. Departed is not uh, the critics. Critics do not love Gigs of New York right. the same way that I do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Rotten Tomatoes has the Departed 91, Aviator 87, then Wolf of Wall Street at 77, and then yeah. Gigs of New York. Yeah. Um, so I, I like Wolf of Wall Street, um, but I feel like Wolf of Wall Street fell into that same trap that Fight Club fell into where it, it accidentally preached the message it was trying to um, go against. Like mm. people watch Wolf of Wall Street and go, wow, I want to be that rich. I want to, you know, right. live that lifestyle. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's the opposite point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, Scorsese, I think, even had to publicly come out and, and tell people, like, that's not the point of this movie. Like, please. Um, right. It's just like when people watch Fight Club and then everyone started a fight club in there you know, uh, yeah fraternity has so uh it's it's interesting um, yeah i'm not the biggest um i think more, more i think scorsese's super talented yeah but i think he doesn't i think he's really set in his ways um kind of inappropriately a little bit okay and, and doesn't um doesn't allow for people's I know he just seems arrogant to me. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, when he shot down, you know, Marvel movies, and I'm just like, you know, why, why do you got to take that shot? You know, if people are being entertained, isn't that the whole purpose of your industry? Yeah, there's definitely been um, a lot of discussion about his thoughts on Marvel movies. I yeah, think and I'm just like, as being a circus or, yeah, or something, oh, yeah like something like that. And I was just like, man, that's, you know, I don't know. I'd probably, you know, some of the stuff you put out is, kind of there too so i'm not sure i would be yeah. to to uh critique yeah i think uh the difference between him and some other directors who have come out against marvel movies 
is I do think he is trying to create interesting stuff and tries to come out with new ideas. And he sees Marvel movies as a, you know, a legitimate threat to him being able to make movies anymore. Um, and so he still he still has a great pedigree. And I think people do want to go out and see his movies like, like oh, this sure. one. Oh, sure. And I do too. I don't know if he has the same prestige that like Christopher Nolan has. Not moment. currently, no. Yeah, I think like Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer has just come out and it's hitting really big. And yeah, that's because it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's that's obviously it's also. I mean, it's part of it, but it's got a great cast. Um, yeah, and they've marketed it really well. But like, I mean, I think that for folks like Christopher Nolan, Scorsese is a can't miss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think Scorsese is still big within Hollywood, but mm-hmm. I think he's losing some of his um, draw outside to the average person sure. uh, you, you just you know that's just that's just time he's been doing this for a long time yeah i will say for for this one uh to get back to the yeah. movie at hand uh, killers of the flower moon i know it's already hit the um uh con- not convention but the the, the festivals uh, festivals yes thank yep. you um it's hit it's hit a couple of festivals and it's got a 97 percent tomato meter from those festival yeah. appearances so i think this one's gonna uh hopefully hit the ground running we'll see how the actor strike and the writer strike affect this uh one of the reasons to have a big cast like this with uh dicaprio and jesse plemons and john mm-hmm. lithgow is to to get them to do you know interviews and stuff and hype up the movie and they're not going to be right. able to do that for this um this has an october 20th release date so hopefully both of those strikes are resolved by then but I would hope so. Optimistic at this point. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm, I'm also on Rotten Tomatoes. And, um, you know, you, first you get the trailer at the top, then it gives you the scores, then it says it's what to know, and it's critics' consensus. And the first the first line in this enormous in runtime. Um, not really. I mean, it's not even two and a half, it's close to it. But Oppenheimer is over three. I mean, like, there's, I can think of many, 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 many more movies and than longer than this and it just seems like we're getting more and more movies that are hitting that 215 to 230 mark in time we're getting this is two hours and 26 minutes right i think it's probably going to be a little bit slower i think so too as well because it's trying to sort of emulate the old style westerns well, I think he's a slower director in in general. Yeah. Like the department, yeah. the, the, the the department, the departed doesn't move with a with a crazy speed, nor the aviator. You know, they just um, they don't plot along. But he doesn't. I mean, he he made the Irishman. <laughs> the Irishman plots along. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so it's gonna be really hard to forget that that movie for, for me yeah. now i love that movie i think it's a lot of fun i think there's really great performances in it but i think the directing is lacking in that particular one it just needed to be recast <laughs> like it just needed it just needed some fresh young actors in it uh, the story is really great yeah. i just think the pacing's really slow and the actors are really old so the actors are really old and it just yeah but they're the ones that know the story like it just you know it's 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 so like I don't know that I'd trust a twenty-year-old now to do a Vietnam movie because it's so recent still. You know what I mean? You could take an Andrew Garfield and put him into that that era and genre. He he would crush it. He would crush it. <laughs> Maybe I'm not as big a fan of Garfield as you are, but um, he's great. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's let's uh let's move on. Move I got along, yeah. I got one for you. Yeah, what's um, yours? Yeah, so this is like a holiday comedy 
uh, that's going to be coming out November 10th. Really small movie. Uh, it's called The Holdovers. Uh, Paul Giamatti is the biggest name associated with it. It's also got Divine and then a new guy, uh, Dominic uh, Sessa, um, who's kind of a fresh, fresh young face. Uh, I don't even think he has a picture on his Rotten Tomatoes no. thing yet. So um, uh, from claim director Alexander Payne, this is the guy who did Sideways, also mm-hmm. with Paul Giamatti, which is one of my favorites. Uh, the Holdovers follows a curmudgeonly instructor, Paul Giamatti, at a New England prep school who is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students struck with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker, newcomer Dominic Sessa, and with schools uh, with the school's head cook, who has just lost his son in Vietnam, Divine uh, Joy Randall. So, basically, if you've read the Harry Potter books, I was uh, I was just thinking this is this is the Harry Potter the, holidays. The kids that don't have a, a home to go to and don't get chosen to to go back. To home for the holidays um this is the this guy is the teacher in charge of watching these kids and one of them just happens to be this troublemaker who hates him and neither one of them kind of get along and then they sort of form an unlikely friendship over being unwanted so uh yeah it's uh it looks really nice and kind of heartfelt and funny uh i'm very excited for this one uh i probably wait for a streaming service but it looks really mm-hmm. cool um i'm like i said a big fan of sideways alexander Payne has a a very fun style and i think him and paul giamatti uh work really well together so uh based on the trailer it looks really interesting and fun so yeah, yeah. i saw the trailers for this as well that's at a movie i saw recently in the theaters and i, I wasn't sure of it um because i'm not a big fan of sideways um uh-huh. at like like I just didn't didn't like it, and so I'm just not sure if this is going to be up up my alley or not. You know, I look at some of the artwork that they've chosen, um, and it kind of it gives me um, vibes of um, what am I trying to say? Like not like like the freshman almost it gives me vibes of the of the freshman, which I don't know if you ever saw that with. Um, uh oh man the, the godfather the the first one um didn't accept his academy award brando uh, brando yeah marlon brando uh okay. a movie called the freshman with marlon brando and matthew broderick okay. um, which is hilarious and this kind of reminds me of that um or an old brendan fraser movie that i can't think of the name of as well where he's at college and it's got him and danny devito in it um oh yes oh that, that's what, what this that kind of reminds me of um yeah but you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. With honors is with the honors, yes. one. Yeah. 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 I mean, DeVito, I like right? that movie. Yeah. It's or, uh or, or is it Pesci. Yeah, Pesci. Yeah. I knew I knew what you meant though. Yeah. Uh, you know, short guys in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys if you if you happen to listen. Uh, uh, so um yeah, I I mean I would be excited if it comes with that kind of yeah. vibe and philosophy to it. So yeah, uh, the holdovers um, November. So definitely looking to kind of cash in on the holiday sentimental feeling. Uh, what else you got? Um, I've got a sports movie. Ooh. Um, so this is a, um, a Taika Waititi movie. Um, did I pick? Did I steal yours? Uh, you stole mine from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I did think. you bring it up a couple of weeks ago? I did. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I looked in my notes and didn't see it. 
I'm pretty sure this is the one with the um, American Samoan uh, soccer team. Yeah, the soccer team. Oh, you sure did. Oh, well, many, many, many weeks ago. I didn't go far enough back. All right. Well, it was going to be next goal wins. Instead, I'm still excited for next goal wins. (laughs) Yes, we are. We are excited for next next goal wins. I just it just came across my feed with a trailer, and that's why I got excited about it. Um, But as a reminder, Michael Fassbender, Elizabeth Moth, Will Arnett, soccer, American Samoa team for the World Cup. Um, Yeah, looks like a lot of fun. And this was right after they had just lost to the Australian team. 31 like, Yeah, 31 nil. I almost said yeah. 27. I wasn't even close. Yeah. No, 30, they got beat. 31 nil in, in soccer. That's that's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh not that one. We uh I thankfully though have a backup, which I don't believe we've mentioned. And I like I'm excited for this just because of my comic nerddom kind of forces me to. Uh-huh. Um but I'm not sure if I'm cinema excited. Okay. Uh, does that make sense? So Blue Beetle. Yeah. Um, I think that makes sense. This that's, is that's got, how I am with the – oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Zolo um, Mariduena. Mm-hmm. Mar- Mariduena. Um, as the title role of Jamie uh, Jaime Reyes at the Blue Beetle. Um Recent college grad Jaime Reyes returns home full of aspirations for his future, only to find that home is not quite as he left it. As he searches to find his purpose in the world, fate intervenes when Jaime unexpectedly finds himself in possession of an ancient relic of alien biotechnology, the Scarab. When the Scarab suddenly chooses Jaime to be his symbiotic host, he is bestowed with an incredible suit of armor capable of extraordinary and unpredictable powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero Blue Beetle. Um, for those that don't know, this is a relatively, this is a middling superhero in DC's canon. Yeah. Um, uh, often, often seen with booster gold. Yes. Who is a time traveler from the future who just gets a bunch of technology and goes to the past. It steals it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Booster gold's a trip. Um, blue beetle is also kind of a trip. Um, he, th- I think this is getting made because, um, I want to get this right. I believe in 2011, DC repurposed all their comics and came out with a new 52. Mm-hmm. And they narrowed, they took their hero, they took their titles down from however many hundred titles they were making down mm-hmm. to just 52. And Blue Beetle was one of them. And he got his own run for a while recently. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a movie for the for those teenagers that got onto that comic at that time. Um, yeah. Because it seems to follow that kind of arc. It's an origin story, which is always kind of, for me, uh, a bummer. Um, I think that we've had so many origin story comic movies that we don't need any more. We can almost, with most heroes, just kind of start and and just, you know, imply origins throughout. Um, It doesn't need to be the first one for a movie. Um, And so uh, that's got me a little bummed. But I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. The effects look pretty good. Uh, yeah. it, it, this is always this is a um, almost Iron Man esque hero. So yeah, he's kind of a mix between Iron Man and Spider Man. Yeah, so he's not, he doesn't have the intelligence of Iron Man. Um, yeah. like he's not like a genius like Tony Stark. He's not dumb, but he's not a genius like Tony Stark. But Iron Man talks to Friday or to Jarvis in his yeah. suit. The Scarab kind of has its own personality too. So this yeah. is probably closer to. Um, Iron Man, uh, not Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man, like you said, in um, Homecoming? Uh, Homecoming, yeah, where he talks to uh, um, uh, Karen. 
yeah Turing is the name of his yeah um so that's uh that's probably what this movie is gonna be a lot of which i think is always you know kind of good fun humor if the relationship yeah. between the actors is good so um yeah kind of a a smaller or not as well-known cast um, we do get george lopez um so i'm sure we'll have funny one-liners um yeah throughout. so um Sholo uh, Marijuana is uh, really well known for um, Cobra Kai. Yes. Like that's where pr- people probably have seen him the most. Uh, small um, disclaimer on this one. Uh, Sholo and Marijuana uh, and Jacob Bertrand, who uh, is also in Cobra Kai, are huge fans of Magic the Gathering. Like huge, huge fans. Really? Yes, really. And so they play uh, on set all the time in between takes for for Cobra Kai. Uh, I think Jacob was the one who got most of the cast into it. Nice. But uh, they play a bunch of um, commander games and stuff like that on streaming channels, like all the magic streaming, like big streaming channels will have them on as guest stars. So I've actually seen him on like out of character uh, in a lot of um, media stuff that I consume. disclaimer for this because i actually work for the company that makes magic the gathering yes. so uh, i'm a little biased uh, but i do like this guy a lot so i'm excited to see him in like a superhero role yeah uh, and i think it looks really interesting it's got some definitely has some shang chi vibes to it mm-hmm. uh iron man spider-man we've already kind of said uh yeah i think this could be could be really good it, it feels more like the shazam yeah. era of the dc eu that's not the dceu this is technically the first movie in the a new um in the uh, guniverse um, yeah are we are we calling it the guniverse i don't know if we're calling it the guniverse i hope not um <laughs> okay <laughs> but, uh, but yeah this is uh this is the first one in that coming out in that which um you know i think well is it the first well it's the first with him as the head of the of the uh he, he of the said creative director he said that this is the first in his like worldview of DC. Like this movie did start production before he became uh-huh. the head, but he feels like this fits in with the tone that he's wanting for the DC universe. So he's not including his own movie in it. He he's he's thinking this this is the start of like the universe, but the spot the Superman that he's doing will be the first movie that he's had full control of in that universe. Right. So, but, but I guess what I'm saying is he's not including the, the, uh, the suicide squad. The suicide squad is not technically in anything. It's just anything. its own one off thing. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like sideways adjacent. It might end up getting rolled in kind of like, uh, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man is technically in the, the right. MCU. And the Garfield ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if we might see some of those suicide squad characters come back, uh, just because, who cares right like um but i think this is the first one in that new universe and i think aquaman is the last of the snyderverse dceu gotcha Um, so yeah Yeah, it's all it's all interesting i think one of the struggles with um with comic books is and this is where i think marvel did a great job it's not necessarily the tone of the movies because people will watch dark and gritty people will watch colorful and happy like those are the comparisons of dc and marvel movies right um marvel did a better job at their bad guys um 
for the most part. And so because comics by nature are serial, they they are they they play better in a high budget high budget television setting or series setting than a one off movie. Um, so that's where I think Marvel did a better job than DC, especially in the Snyderverse of that. Okay. Uh, that's that's one of the things I've kind of noticed. So I'm 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 anxious to see what Gunn does or what they do for this movie for the villain. Like what is what does the world look like? Is this a world ending event? Is this, or is this just like a warmonger event? Uh, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, we'll uh, see. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think one of the reasons I'm kind of okay with this being an origin movie though, is because like you said, this isn't a super well-known character. Right. I think they do need to have a little bit of introduction to him. I never need to see a Spider-Man or a Batman origin ever again, because I've seen. Right both of those a million times uh i i do kind of need to know a little bit more about jaime reyes and what his family life is like yeah and exactly and it's and it's it's a little um i don't want to say stereotypical but i, I kind of think it i mean it's just it's a big family in a small house yeah you know or it's family that's always around kind of thing so there's yeah. a lot of that dynamic so they from and you get this in the trailer from the outset they know who he is yeah um um, so it's uh, it. I think that opens up to a lot of good drama and good comedy. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking of uh, great comma dramedy superhero stuff, uh, I am very excited for season two of Invincible. So uh, we've talked about season one a little bit on the show previously um, for a previous recommendation, but it's coming back November third. So we just got an Adam Eve like prequel. That dropped, I think, a couple of weeks ago on Amazon Prime. I still haven't had a chance to watch that yet, but that was kind of like our in between season one and season two. Even though we've been waiting over a year for season two uh, to try to tie people over a little bit, but November third is when episode one is going to be dropping. Uh, the comics just go from you know they start at eleven and then just go up. <laughs> So it's going to get super crazy this season. I'm really excited to see how far they go. I'm curious how much they hold back for later seasons because I believe season three they've already started. It's already been greenlit and they've already started working on it um, to try to give the animators more time with the with it and not try to like overly crunch them into have into finishing quickly. But, have the yeah. animators strike gone on strike? Are they part of? Uh the writers or the saga you know i'm not sure i can probably get guess that the voice acting is not happening right now yeah the, that's what um, i imagine but i believe they already had season three written okay so i think that there there can be some work done some some work done um but they can't do any voice work yeah. and they can't cast anybody. Right. No one I mean, I go to casting auditions right now. Yeah. I mean, I imagine though that the animators have got to be close to going on strike too, or they've got something set well, up already and better. The the thing with the digital effects uh, teams is they are not unionized. Oh. Part of the big issue. And this is my own, I'm going to put a tinfoil hat on real quick and, uh, and go to my conspiracy theory of, Part of the reason the writer strike and the actor strike, why they haven't given in, because the demands for the writer strike are not very unreasonable. They're they're pretty pretty reasonable demands. And part of the reason why they've they've 
pushed back so much, I think, is because they don't want to show the power of unions working. Because if they can, if if the actors and the writers can prove how important unionizing is, it might incentivize the uh, the digital effects uh, groups to start unionizing. And their conditions right now are real bad. So yeah, it's probably something they should do, but uh we'll we'll see how that all sort of pans out um but like for example the digital effects company that won the academy award for best visual effects for the the movie life of pi i don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember that coming out uh that company after it won the academy award went out of business two weeks later yeah like it's just uh the the bidding wars for the digital effects companies are just a race to the bottom and they don't really have a lot of control over their workflow and their time um, when it comes to kind of dealing with these big big budget companies that are wanting remakes of every single scene. Uh, The famously the, the ending like fight scene for Shang-Chi is uh, just completely redone. Like the background that him and his father are fighting in, Mm -hmm. that's not what they, what it looked like at all. They took out the background and put in a completely new background for it. Right. So, uh, well, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's that, and then there's the Sonic. You know, yeah. we got a whole new Sonic. Yeah. Uh, after and a trailer, time. After, yeah, after a trailer. I mean, like, yeah, like that's that's nuts, I and mean, it's such an improvement. But man, yeah. cool. Uh, okay, so right, uh, there you go. Yeah, I, I think season two is going to be really cool. Um, I I love the voice cast. J.K. Simmons is coming back. The um, the trailer didn't have any new J.K. Simmons lines to it, though, which makes me a little concerned how much we're going to see him. Mm-hmm. Or it's possible that when we see him, it'll be such a spoiler that um, they don't want to show that. So I guess I'm okay with that. Uh, Michael Cullen has joined the voice cast, though, for season two. He's one of the Biltramite, like, head leaders. Uh, Michael Cullen, for those who don't know, is Optimus Prime. Yeah. Um, he's a very, very famous voice actor. So, yeah, uh, very excited for season two. Um, and yeah, let's uh, let's get into the the meat of the show. We've, we've spent a, a lot of time. <laughs> uh, we're, we're very excited at this point. Um, so last week I recommended a time travel romance comedy time time loop time loop. Yeah. Romance comedy uh, called Palm Springs uh, starting Andy Samberg and uh, Christina Miliati and uh jk simmons uh adam what did you think of this movie um overall i liked it cool there was some stuff in there that i just you know um some they 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 clearly wanted a high cringe factor at the beginning uh-huh. of the movie that i just didn't think it needed um you know they were just trying to show a guy who was you start the movie with no knowledge of what's happening yeah Right. You just, it just, it just goes and you just assume it's a wedding movie and there's, you know, it's going to be hilarity or whatever. Um, and this guy wakes up, his girlfriend's there. She's not willing to engage with him because she has to get ready. And so he just stands there doing his thing, watching her go through the suitcase. And it's just, it's unnecessary awkwardness. And I just, that put me off and it had to kind of earn me back from there. And it largely did. Um, Okay. um, It did not, it was just an unnecessary scene. There's many other ways of doing that more sure. with more effect. I think um, Andy Samberg is uh, fantastic in this. 
Um, Christine Miliotti is good in this, but I don't think she's up there with Andy in this particular yeah. movie. Um, but it was um, it was interesting um, that it, it starts off. I, I, it just it's the way the time loop happens, and then all of a sudden she goes away. You have no idea of any sense of time in this movie at yeah. all. We have no clue how long Andy Samberg's been in this time loop. We like he's just going on. He's like, forgotten. Yeah, he's forgotten. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with J.K. Simmons' character, um, and then uh, him or, or Niles, which is Andy Samberg's character, and Sarah, which is Christine Milioti. Um, they develop a relationship, and it's it's a rom com. And that whole middle section is super sweet and super funny and, and a lot of fun. Yep. And then they kind of have a falling out because of a, a, he wasn't totally honest with her, but it was over. I don't know. It just seemed like a little bit of a silly thing to me. Mm-hmm. And so she just kind of like, whatever to you. And she's fed up with being in a time loop and she hasn't been in it nearly as long as the other two. And she goes off and somehow becomes a quantum physicist. Um, yep. Like we're not just this. Major spoilers. Major spoilers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was not ready for that. Like that's that my was, favorite part about this. Movie. That was super weird. Yeah. Um, that not only does she become a quantum physicist, she apparently is the quantum physicist now because she's studied everybody a couple of times. Like she's read yeah. Einstein. She's read. I mean, she's read all the moderns, all the ancients, and put it all together, and now has her own theories and can develop things and create solutions to problems. And I'm just like, okay there we went it just it just it just, that was a bit of a jump for me i would have liked to have a little bit more um awareness to the possibility that that the loop could end yeah because we are told very early on that it can't it doesn't end when you have self-realization yeah it doesn't end when you uh finish uh, accomplish a goal it does it's it's not a morality um based thing it's not like it's not angels telling you you have to learn something yeah there's a scientific thing in a cave that has trapped you and um it just would have been nice to have a little bit more background or just awareness that 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 this was a little bit sci-fi sure because it just, I, I really it, love that that turn just out of left field, of just like, and it's so abrupt. Um, I'm getting out of here, and then yeah, I'm just I'm gonna go watch YouTube videos and right. sit and yeah. at a diner and read. I, it by watching YouTube videos was hilarious to me. Yeah. So, um, but um, I found that that to be not nearly as good of a turn as her waking up in her sister's fiance's bed. Yeah, I was going to ask if you figured that out earlier. Uh, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't figure it out, but I knew there was something up. Yeah, I I knew she was in somebody's room, not her own. Like you figured that out pretty quickly. Yeah. I think you you are sort of supposed to think that it's uh one of the other guests, the one that's like hitting on her earlier in the uh in the movie, and she she kind of you know pushes him away. Um, but yeah, the the um uh what was i gonna say the the sort of argument that happens between niles and sarah comes from the fact that niles had been sleeping with sarah like a thousand times right uh and you you kind of get that that would have happened because she 
says like i drink a lot and i sleep around and yeah. he definitely was going to get some before uh roy who's the the third person trapped in the loop comes and tries to murder him and yeah. then sarah follows him into the into the cave into the time loop um so yeah it's i i liked the the sort of logistics of it where the loop the day doesn't reset until um until it's over like the loop the everyone else's day just keeps going right. so if you do something really terrible and really mean everyone else has to live with that even after the loop is done right um it's it's unclear if they're in like a multiverse where they're like creating new universes or if they are trapped in this like energy field that can't go past a certain time but like uh niles and roy both go into the time loop and then sarah is still out there so she there's definitely some amount of time after everyone else who's who's part of the loop resets that someone else has to live and, and do stuff there's um i think edge of tomorrow has kind of like a one or two of his resets are a little bit odd where like the day keeps going potentially but yeah um no i i like that I really like that he's in the loop already. I think yeah. part of the thing I like about this over Groundhog Day, which there are a lot of obvious comparisons you can make, um, is that that movie takes a little while to get into what's going on. And there's a lot of like him learning about what he can and can't do. This one sort of takes a really fast track on it where he's already in the loop. He's been in it for so long. He can just tell her like, Right. This is what's going to happen. There's no way to get out of it. Just, you know, we can do this, 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 and this. These things don't matter. Yada, yada, yada. So um, I like that they kind of are able to get past that quickly and then really get into yeah. more of the meat of it, which is learning quantum physics is very important. I I would choose Groundhog Day every time over this. Okay. Um, because I, if they had done a better job of like setting up the quantum thing, like that was just too far left field, um, to, I think make any plot sense at all. Um, it would be equal, but I like the morality of the groundhog day. I like that people, I think people should learn to be better. Uh, and that doesn't happen a whole lot in this movie. Um, and it's just kind of, it's a comedy. It's not a dark comedy, but it's definitely in the gray area between a straight up comedy and a dark comedy. Yeah. There's some real dark stuff that happens in this for sure. Um, I think she kind of, kind of learns to be a better person almost as sort of a byproduct of this. Like, I think Roy definitely learns to be a better person. I think part of the scene that you see with him and Niles at the end where Niles goes to his house mm-hmm. is he like uh <laughs> he sort of explains like oh this is my family I'm just enjoying my time with them you know you don't get this time it's it's sort of tragic he's like I'll never see my daughter walk down the aisle but you know I get to spend this time with her and he's like you know the last time I saw you we like partied heavily and you were avoiding your family at a wedding that you didn't need to go to uh what's how did this change? He's like, I spent more time with, I realized what's actually important is spending time with my family and being, you know, present and good and whatnot. So yeah. Uh, 
I, I think he sort of gives the message of the movie really eloquently, better than I'm doing it right now. Um, and uh, so I like that. he. I really liked his performance a lot. J.K. Simmons brings to me so much of like the heart to the movie. Uh, and then he has a great funny death with where he kills Niles with a crossbow. So it's great. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, the like it, 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 the movie I think was too short. Okay, an hour thirty, and so everything felt. Um, it's, it's it's the same critique I have for all the Harry Potter movies, every single one except okay. one, two, and maybe three. They're all too short. Yeah, they all did. They all took on an impossible task and failed at it. Um, a, you, we're we're trying to tell a story that covers from July to June <laughs> in yeah. water and can't do that in two hours cohesively. So we yeah. get a lot of awkward jumps. This felt like a lot of awkward jumps to me in the storytelling of we see Roy tries to kill him. See Roy tries to kill him. Next time we see Roy, he's just happy. And it was just so there needed to be more of Roy instead, yeah. instead of just, it was like a light switch. Um, yeah. It needed to be a dimmer. Um, same thing for the same kind of analogy for the, quantum physics um so i get why it's a 94 and an 89 on rotten tomatoes i'd probably put it more at a 70 or 75 okay um so not a bad movie by any stretch definitely something um worth watching um just uh i would probably go i would definitely go groundhog day first if i'm given a rom-com time loop option yeah i mean they're they're definitely both i think very good um, I think this is, I, I think I would order my time loop movies, this, then Groundhog Day, then, uh, it's the, uh, Happy Death Day and then Edge of Tomorrow. Like that's my time loop order. I, I would almost have to like have separate time loop lifts, lists for rom-coms and action. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is a little different. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, because like Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat, whatever the name of the movie is, um, I, I, that's, I think, really, really good. Um, yeah. Uh, and probably my favorite time loop movie, just if I'm breaking it down to just that one aspect of it. Um, but if it's okay. wrong, then Groundhog Day. Okay. But this cool. is number three. So enjoyable, okay. um, definitely worth a watch. Go out and watch it. Um, I don't, it's not for children. It's uh it's R for, no, it's very, R, very, very quickly <laughs> family movie, but I would say a decent date night movie. Yeah. Um, especially if you like humor that verges on dark. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there you go. Okay. So we have a little bit of an extra bonus for you all this, uh, this week. Last week we talked about, uh, the year 1974, and I told Adam I hadn't seen Godfather Part 2, but I had seen Godfather Part 1. And so he recommended this to me as, is this is this in the, their, like your top 10 favorite movies of all time? Uh, top five or three. Top five or three. Okay. Uh, yeah. I will say the music is 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really good. There are certain scenes and certain uh, moments in this movie that I think are fantastic. I was really surprised with how much I liked Fredo. I kind of always thought he was a bit of a joke and a bit of a meme. Yeah. Um, from like 
references and stuff to this movie. Um, but by the end of it, you you really love that character. Uh, unfortunately, John uh, Kazeel only made five movies. He died of bone cancer in 1978. So his last movie was Deer Hunter. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed sort of like the silent moments of just uh, like just no no dialogue really necessary. There's just these like little small moments that are really great. Uh, sort of the unspoken dialogue is is very well done. I like Al Pacino as Michael. I think he's very good in this. I don't didn't really like Robert De Niro's veto very much. No. Uh, I don't. There's something about that character never seemed like the smartest, uh, you know, person out there. Like he, he, there's something off a little bit about that storyline that never grabbed me the same way that the the modern, more modern storyline did. I think the early beginning really, uh, it starts off really well with a funeral yeah. and it has this sort of, a uh, message about forgiveness that, you know, it talks about like, you know, can you just let something go? And these godfathers just can't afford for whatever reason to ever appear the slightest bit weak. And so there's a great scene at the beginning where he talks about how like, uh, this is my son, like he's the last you know person, you know, man in my family, like, please let him live. He's an idiot. He's not going to hurt you. Yada, yada, yada. And he's like, well, when he grows up, he might be smarter and he might be stronger and he's going to kill me. So I'm going to kill him now. And that leads him down this path where he does end up growing up, becoming stronger and killing him. So it has this message of like, you need to forgive in order to, um, to move forward. Um, and you're you're doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. But then I feel like it falls down a little bit at the end where Michael just repeats the same mistakes of the past and refuses to forgive Fredo. And I think when, I know, massive spoilers for this very old movie, but when Michael kills Fredo at the end, it just lost me. And I was like, this movie's great. I definitely see why people love this. Oh my gosh, this is really, really good. And then as soon as he kills Fredo, I'm just like, oh, screw this movie. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't see how you could love Fredo. Oh, I like he's just I, he's I, just a puppy. Like he's just a yeah. No, he's, he's an idiot that that worked his way into this position of being the puppy. Like he, I don't know. There, like I never ever ever I I felt for him, but I never liked him. Yeah. Um. And so that's, that's a new one for me. I've not heard that before. Um, so I totally. I I wanted to see Michael be better than his father and actually forgive. Cause he even, he even says in, in the speech he has with his mother, he shows the entire theme of the movie. Like, can you ever be so strong for your family that you lose your family? And she's thinking that he's talking about losing your family, like having them killed right. by external sources. He's like, no, no, no. I mean, like, I'm losing them because they don't want to be around me anymore. And then when Connie goes to him and is like, I need you to forgive Fredo, 
And he's like, okay, this will fix the family. I'll forgive Fredo. It's a beautiful scene. No dialogue between them. You know exactly what's happening when he goes to Fredo and they embrace. And it's just like, oh, okay, this is this is great. Oh, no. We moving knew- forward. You don't see it that way? You don't think it's a... Fredo was going to die. He, as long as my mother, as long as my mother lives, nothing will happen to Fredo. Yes, that's what he says, and and Fredo thinks at the funeral, like, oh my gosh, my time is up. Right. But Michael goes and embraces him and looks at the guy who's the enforcer following Fredo around, that was definitely going to kill him, and just like kind of gives him a nod, and that guy kind of gives him a nod, and I interpreted that of like, I'm embracing him. He's safe now. That's what I wanted to take. That's what I wanted to take from it. It was a hey, this still this guy's still on the mark, but we're gonna do it when everything else times out right because we're not gonna give away our hand of what we know. Yeah. I did really like the um sort of back and forth between him and Roth of like, is this guy good or is like mm-hmm. how much do I trust this guy? Uh so there's sort of this this triangle between Michael, um Hyman Roth, and then Frankie uh Pentelli Jelly the the new york family yep. and they're they're beefing with each other and he's like you know i'm gonna take care of this guy because i think he's the one that took the hit out on me goes to that guy i know you didn't take the hit out on me i know it's roth that took the hit out on me i have to look like i'm i'm in with him um i really loved all the cuba stuff i didn't know that was in there at all yeah uh, that whole part of history i find very fascinating um sort of the pre um who's the the guy who ended up taking over uh we are hitting gosh. all there's today <laughs> castro castro thank you yeah. um as yeah. power it, it, like it's taking place as he's yeah Ca- castro's leading the rebellion and they're like oh yeah we're gonna quash it really easily and then a no. couple scenes later it's like oh no they've, they've taken the city we've got uh, and then yeah castro bringing communism and then not actually tearing down the palaces just staying in the palaces <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that whole part of history is very fascinating to me. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, a lot of the modern stuff I really liked. I liked Robert Duvall a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a little, it took me a while to see Talia Shire as Connie because she's just Adrian to me. And I was like, oh, Adrian's in this movie. That's nice. <laughs> um, but, uh, All right. but yeah, um, there's a lot of great like plotting and scheming. And if you like the crime genre this has a lot of great uh scenes for that it's not really my cup of tea um and i i wanted there to be more of a message than just history is doomed to repeat itself and you like the only certainty is death right yeah so this is a i mean it's it's I think the, the you know the you know, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes looking at it. They they classified it as crime, crime drama, and I think that's the wrong genre. This is a tragedy. This is yeah. this is Shakespeare. This is um, it's 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 the American version of those of that of a tragedy telling, and it's I think incredibly emotional, and um, it wraps you up and takes you in and kind of just makes you it does make you think you know and there's something to be said for showing the error of things repeating themselves you know Mm -hmm. to help us to not repeat ourselves but um does this make you more or less likely to watch uh godfather three 
more likely to watch Godfather 3, um, but just to see kind of a little bit more of where it goes. So there is a cut of Godfather Part 1 and Part 2 that is chronological. Good. And I I typically don't, like, there's a cut of um, Pulp Fiction, which is chronological. And I think that's just silly because that's not how the director intended it to be made. You know, you shouldn't do it that way. I think this one probably would be better if it was chronological. Um, I found myself constantly wanting to go back to the previous group because I wasn't like engaged enough to jump jump back and forth. So um, I think this one would have been a clearer message of the history repeating itself if this was more we see Vito's story, we see Michael's story. There's a couple cuts back and forth where I was like, well, we know Fredo isn't going to die of... I don't know, childish childhood fever because he's in the previous scene as an adult. Yeah. So I don't I don't see what the tension is in this scene. Tension is um, in your child being able to you know unable to stop crying from pain. Yeah, but it's just it, you know he's going to be fine. So it's parent. It, yeah, I mean he does, Vito doesn't know that he's going to be fine, but yeah. Um, it, there also could have been. It is a very long movie. I. I feel like it almost is just could have been two movies um, and we could have gotten a little bit more of Michael's relationship with his father. We mm-hmm. have the one dinner scene, which is the flashback at the end. Yeah. Uh, which is super very, very well done. I, I was really excited to see Michael um, um, Con back in it or uh, Scott. No, not Scott. Con, uh, James Con. James Con is in the, uh, he dies in Godfather one. So to see him back in, in the last scene of Godfather two is really interesting, but I was hoping to get more of an actual, you see that his relationship with his brothers and sisters, but Brando wasn't able to be in that shot for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So you still don't get a lot of like a direct connection between him and his father, which this movie is all about him and his father and their similarities and their differences. Yeah. Um, I also was very confused about how it, it seemed a little inconsistent of how smart Michael was because you see him talking to Fredo and you, you we as an audience get that Fredo is the mole very quickly. I mean, we see the phone call between him and the other guy yeah. and, and we see all these like weird scenes where Fredo's like, oh yeah, I don't, I've never met this guy before in my life. And then you go to the weird sex show and Fredo's like, oh yeah, that guy told me about it. It's like, and then Michael has the head in his hands moment. You're like, oh, did Michael just figure it out? Like, so I think there's, um, right. There, so there's two parts to figuring something out. There's the suspicion and then there's the confirmation. Yeah. So I think he was probably living in suspicion for yeah. a- and then this was just like the the nail in the coffin like it's i can't deny it any longer this is the reality yeah so yeah i mean there's some of that i will say the chronological version makes the um i think tempers your critique of de niro as Vito Mm -hmm. bit because when you go from the little boy like it just makes to me it made sense that he was not dim-witted but he's just slow like he he's a and you see this in the godfather the first one he's a he's not a reactionary he's a slow methodical um 
which I think when you're older comes across as wise and super intelligent. Um, and when you're younger comes across as dumb. Yeah. So I think the veto, the veto character is just, he's thoughtful and slow and, um, methodical in his actions rather than just supremely reactive. Yeah. So like, and yeah, so like that's his, you know, his, his gut is when, when Sonny dies, isn't, isn't vengeance. He doesn't go out immediately and kill everybody. Uh, like Sonny wanted to. Um, so there's it, the cycles are all over the place. Like you're talking about of breaking that cycle and all that kind of stuff, which I'm, I'm really anxious now for you to see Godfather three. Cause that theme, um, amplified, maybe a good word. Um, first yeah. in Godfather three, but you have to watch the right Godfather three. Okay. Or two. <laughs> um, there's the one that was released a long time ago. Then there was one recently released called, um, Dakota. Um, um, it's a new uh, directorial cut. Okay. Uh, so it's uh, the, oh, it's called uh, the Godfather Coda. Yeah, watch that. So that is that streaming anywhere, or is that? It is. Um, let me check. Um, I want to say it was. Um, I, I watched it, or did I buy it right out? Um, I want to say it's for rent or purchase only right now. Okay. Oh, Paramount Plus. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. Um, uh, okay. That uh, brings us into our blast from the past. Uh, as we said before, we're doing 1978. So we're sticking in the 70s for two Hold episodes. Uh, I recommend stuff to you. Oh. I'm sorry. I, I've completely <laughs> forgot about the format of the show. <laughs> we, we, we've had a longer show today. Um, it's been a yeah. lot of really good discussions. Um, so, yeah, I've got to recommend a couple things to you. And this okay. week is all um, all TV shows. And, yes, The Godfather Coda is on Paramount Plus right now for streaming. Okay. Sorry. Just want to confirm that. Um, before we get to our blast from the past in 1978, we are going to do a couple recommendations. And the first one I have for you is yeah. a movie or a, a, a three-part series set in the 1920s um, from our favorite detective, Hercule Poirot, um, The ABC Murders. Um, it's actually called Agatha Christie's The ABC Murders. It is on Amazon Prime. It's got a 71 um, critics and a 51 audience, which I think the audience is just a little, um, little low. Um, but I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, John Malkovich stars as an older but wiser um, Hercule as he investigates the source of a series of sin sinister letters written by a mysterious criminal in the early 1930s in England. Although he is no longer revered when murders, when murders begin occurring in relation to the letters, Poirot takes the case into his own hands and deploys his detective skills in order to find the killer before they strike again. Malkovich stars alongside Rupert Grint and Andrew Bukan in this three-part crime drama series. Okay. Uh, so it's a, it's just a mini series. Um, Rupert Grint, this is the first thing I'd seen him in besides, um, the Potter series. And, um, he does a good job. Um, and I'm starting to see his name pop up some more and there's a trailer recently that had him in, I can't remember what it was. Um, but he's, he's starting to get out there a little more, which he was in the new Shyamalan movie, knock at the cabin door. Was, I think, the, that, yeah. So yeah. it's nice to see him being a little more active. Um, cause clear from the get go, clearly, um, Daniel Radcliffe and, um, Emma Watson. Yeah. 
um, you know, they, they started just doing more right, right away. So, um, three part series, they average about an hour in length. Um, it's, uh, it's, I, th- I think entertaining cool. and, and good. Takes a little while to get set into, you know, most of the time when we see 1930s, we see American 1930s. So uh-huh. like for depression and stuff, this is UK, London, 1930s. And okay. so it's a little more diverse. Is this pre Pinky Blinders or post Pinky Blinders or the same Pinky post Blinders? Years. Um so Pinky Blinders takes place um in the early twenties. Okay. Uh, as socialism is really taking hold and World War One had just ended. Okay. Uh, so this is a well after World War One and Hercule is older. Yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, I think uh it's worth a watch. Um it is uh, like Malkovich, the biggest name in it. He does a good job. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. Agatha Christie obviously wrote it. Saren Phelps, I think, adapted it for the screen. And yeah, just some good, solid, um, nothing crazy extravagant, but good, good television, good acting. Yeah, I think the the biggest criticism I've seen of of this one is just because the David Suchet one has been around for so long that that one is kind of the fan favorite. There's just so much more of him doing it uh, that I think Malkovich, I think uh, Brant Branagh also had this where people were just upset that it was someone else playing Hercule Poirot. Yeah. So um, I haven't heard anything about Malkovich being bad, just not being David Suchet is the biggest criticism that I've seen against him. You know, it's a little unfair to hold actors to other actors. Yeah. Sometimes, you know? Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's the first one. Um, Pretty simple, straightforward. Cool. Okay. All right. This next one, and that's on Amazon prime. And this is just one, one mystery, right? One, the ABC killer or something. The ABC murders. Um, It's very, um, who is the uh, yeah Emin Farron is um, uh, a a good act. He's from you'd know him from The Witcher. Okay, he is Kahir, um, yeah, the yeah, yeah. feather-headed knight in season one, and then the guy um, in season two. It's the same guy, but he he partners with the elves to help them. Mm-hmm get up it's that it's that that actor okay cool. uh, so he does a he does a really good job i think awesome. um your next option is uh i went kind of uh sci-fi religious over the top choice okay uh, this is called warrior nun um it's got an 84 percent um critics and a 97 percent audience score okay this is the series info. This is all you get. Um, a young woman wakes up in a morgue with inexplicable powers and gets caught up in a battle between good and evil. That's it. <laughs> um, this is, uh, it's the first season is 10 episodes. Second season is eight episodes. Um, the second season has a hundred percent, uh, Rotten Tomatoes and the first has a 69. Um, this is about angels and demons in the Catholic church and quantum physics. Okay. Um, and all the episodes 
our um, Bible addresses. So Colossians 3, 9 through 10, Luke 8, 17. These are episode titles. Okay. And they re- rely on you to go look them up. But this is um, action. Um, there is some... Um, it's 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 kind of what Dan Brown does, especially in like Angels and Demons, where this battle between uh, church and science. Okay, that exists a lot in this. Um, so you explore a lot of that kind of arguments and conversations, but with some action stuff and some crazy fantasy. There's a warrior nun. <laughs> okay, and she kicks butt. Um, so yeah, this stars um, Alba Baptista. Mm-hmm. Um, Toya Turner, Thecla Royton, Lorena Andrea, Andrea, um, not a whole lot of big names, um, but really good. So I've enjoyed this more than I thought I would. When I first watched it, I was just, I just kind of had this sense of, okay, this is just going to be silly. This is a, you know, made for TV kind of thing that doesn't quite hit everything, but it does a good job. Um, it's really good. I was I was very surprised when I watched this. So, how long are the episodes typically? Typically, they are. Um, let me check. I want to say, le- I mean, for sure, less than an hour. Um, they're like uh, Rotten Tomatoes is letting me down right now. They forty six uh, minutes for one of the episodes. So 40, 45 yeah, minutes, somewhere in there. At 45, and at 40 to 50 range. I know it's kind of a big range, but uh, yeah. rarely over 50. And I think more often 45 or less. Um, but it is, it's, it's good. I think you, I think okay. you would like it. Um, Does it end with season two or is it still an ongoing series? Or do we not know because Netflix is... I think we don't. Um, if you look on the on the on the main page for Rotten Tomatoes, it says 2018 or 2020 to 2022, which yeah. means it's over. Um, this I could see this being over, but I could also easily see them having more seasons. I wish they ha- I want them to have more seasons. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah. This is a hard one. Well, good. I'm I'm glad. <laughs> they both look good. I, I've definitely been recommended Warrior Nun by Netflix before. Yeah, uh, just from like other other so, things that I've watched. Um, so it looks like there is going to be a season three. Um, okay. Simon Barry is a creator, and it looks like back in June he announced that there will be a season three on his Twitter. Um, okay. But who knows with what's going on right now? All right. I don't know if that makes my decision easier or harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you mean because the the ABC murders it is it's it's what you get it's done. Yeah, um, uh, I think I'm going to go with the ABC murders on this one. Okay. I really like Poirot. I like Malkovich. I like Rupert Grint. I love that character. I think it's uh, the worry one looks really interesting, but it also looks like it could be all over the place and i know what i'm getting with the abc murders right so i'm gonna go with that one this time sounds good all right uh cool so we're gonna be watching the abc murders uh we're taking a short little break uh we should be back in two weeks for you guys 
Um, you won't notice the the bit of a break, but uh, yeah, give us some time to watch some longer form things. Although this is actually shorter than Godfather Part Two. <laughs> yes, it is. So uh, yeah, um, that now brings us into Blast from the Past, right? I haven't yes. forgotten anything now. Okay, great. Nope. <laughs> into Blast from the Past, 1978, uh, Andy Samberg's birthday. Yep. Uh, we're celebrating. Um, what did you bring as a blast in the past from this year? So I've got two movies. I'm not going to do them both right now. We'll take our turns, but um, they're both two of our dad's favorites. He got me watching these um, at a young age, probably too young in both of them. Definitely too young in one of them, which is the first one I'm going to mention. And, it, you know, we do like to try and dig and find something a little off the path. But this, because it's my dad, um, it's Animal House. Um, yeah. It's John Belushi. It's um, It's so just... It's great comedy. It's hilarious. Um, it flies in the face of conventional comedy. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I, I enjoy the tar out of it. Um, we get great um, uh, John Belushi. Tim Matheson is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Bacon is in this. Uh, Donald Sutherland is in it. Um, Karen Allen from Indiana Jones is in it. Um a lot of a lot of people are in this and it is um well done well thought out and just hilarious yeah they uh i I feel like the story behind this movie is almost just as exciting as the movie itself uh because they just couldn't afford to do a lot of stuff so a lot of it's just necessity like they just they needed to do things on the one of the actors who's in it is the main writer and they couldn't afford to have a writer on set, so they hired him as an actor. <laughs> so he's in a couple scenes, and he was able to like punch up the lines and stuff. As one of the creators of the National Lampoons, they yep. made a movie about it with, I believe, Bill Hader or Will Arnett. One of those is in them. I can't, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really crazy. They also did some crazy stuff of like, um, the main cast got to have like better catering and have like parties and stuff and the villain characters had like really bad Kate like Kevin Bacon talks about how he was sort of segregated from the rest of the group and like they looked like they were all having fun and like they didn't get to have any fun so yeah. it made them actually actually resentful of them which was perfect for getting into character um yeah they wanted to make sure that these guys were not friends off camera <laughs> so uh they did some some stuff like that but yeah it's a uh, really really great uh the jokes are great um john belushi is amazing mm-hmm. uh between this and blues brothers it's just it's yeah. really a shame that this unfortunately career... drunk and stoned out of his gourd for most of it but yeah still amazing yes um but yeah uh it's it's very sad uh and tragic that he wasn't able to make more more yeah. movies and more stuff i didn't so. realize harold ramus um was a screenwriter on this Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was part of the National Lampoon uh, cast for a long time, uh, for writers anyway. Um, did, he, did he direct this one? Was this his directorial uh, debut? Landis. Was that? John Landis. Landis was directing it, okay. I can't remember what his, was it? I don't remember. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, great, great call out. Definitely, definitely one of dad's favorites and... Both of us definitely watched it way too early. <laughs> don't don't show this to your kids, please. Um, but yeah, great, great recommendation. I think 
I think it's old enough now that we can hit some of the the big hitters that people may have missed um, every once in a while. So, uh, all right, I have a recommendation. Uh, this is definitely one that is more popular, but I've hit a TV show instead of uh, my typical movies. However, it is streaming right now on Paramount Plus. All five seasons of 1978's Taxi are uh, are streaming. So if you don't know what this is, it's really, it's kind of like The Office before The Office, uh, where it's it's just the life of these taxi drivers hanging out, waiting for calls, and getting into silly predicaments and stuff at work. Uh, it's got some amazing, amazing performances. Uh, Andy Kaufman, this is what his, his character Latka is from this, although I'm kind of a partial to Christopher Lloyd uh, as the as the mechanic as well. This is what made Danny DeVito famous. This is what got Tony Danza on the map. Uh, Judd Hirsch, um, big big break for him as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Carol Kane is in the series. Uh, it's fantastic. If you really like the old sitcom uh, comedies, this, this I would put this up here with I Love Lucy or Bewitched or any of those. This is one of my favorite like Naked Night yeah. um, series. It's it's great. It's really funny. The characters are great. And Danny DeVito especially is just amazing. And he's got some great stuff in the later seasons. But he, he's kind of the, not really the villain, but more of just an antagonistic character. And towards the end of the series, he gets some more heartfelt scenes and stuff. And you get more into his his day-to-day life, which is great. So yeah, Taxi. Nice. Any thoughts? No, I just I remember watching this as well late night um, reruns and stuff, and mm-hmm. it just it's classic humor. It's it's good. It's it set the bar for a lot of um, of today's sitcoms. This reminds me, um, uh, almost want to say like How I Met Your Mother kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of Taxi um, sometimes, and it's really one of the better ensemble comedy sitcoms from the time. Yeah, we were done. Comedy sitcoms, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, and and it's just it's such a small set. It's yeah. amazing, kind of what storylines they're able to to accomplish with the very limited space that they really go into. It's it pretty much all just takes place in this one the garage. space garage. Yeah. So it's fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else you got? What's your other movie? That so you my other movie, too young? another another favorite of our father's. Um, mm-hmm. And this one stars a very young Harrison Ford um, and Carl Weathers. Um, this is Force 10 from Navarone, which is a sequel um, to The Guns of Navarone. Um, this is a war movie set in World War II. Um, it's kind of a action-adventure set or f- flow to it, um, but it's it's really, it's good. It's, it's, um, these guys are dropped behind enemy lines and they've got to get to a certain place in order to blow up a certain um, bridge in order to keep the Germans from advancing. So kind of a simple plot, but a lot of fun. Um, stars, Robert Shaw, mm-hmm. Harrison Ford, Barbara Bach, um, Edwin Fox, Franco Nero, and Carl Weathers. Um, also Richard Keel. Um, those are some of the big, the big names from it. It's got a good pace to it. It's a lot of fun. It's two hours, so it's kind of a longer movie for that time period. Um, but 
really good interactions. Harrison Ford in it is, um, this is a year, I believe, after Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still super young in his career, um, getting noticed. And he um, does a really good job in this, but he kind of plays this antagonistic protagonist character, um, kind of like Danny DeVito almost in Taxi, where he's um, just kind of gruff and he's on the good guy's side and he believes in the good guy's mission, but he kind of no nonsense. And that kind of comes across as um, gruff, but it's a, it's a really, really, really good um, war movie. Cool. Yeah. This is actually streaming now on Amazon prime. You might have to check this out. Have you not watched uh, it? I've never seen it. No, um, it's really good. It's a, it's, it, it's got Barbara Bach in it. Who's one of the bond girls. Um, from, yeah, the, he did this right after doing the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> same, same year. Uh, great. Yeah, I, I don't know why I've I've never never seen this one. Um, I guess Dad was always just watching Patton on reruns. Yeah, I, I, yeah, th- you know, I, I I talked him out of Patton because um, <laughs> um, that one's hard to watch. Um, it's, it's good. Got- it's great, but it's slow. <laughs> it's um, so this slow. is slow. This has. Um, you remember stripes? Um, I'm aware of stripes. Yes, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well then, never mind. I won't make that analogy. This is just it's it's. There's a goal to accomplish. They've got a mission. They're trying to carry out that mission throughout the movie, and things happen along the way that they have to overcome. It seems like Dirty Dozen. Is it got those Dirty Dozen kind of vibes? Um. Not really. I mean, it, it, yes, in that it's World War II um, and that it, they're, you know, they're kind of overcoming, but it's not quite as, um, you don't have as many characters as they're okay. um, And okay. so you lose some of that kind of stuff in there. Um, but definitely watch it. I think you really enjoy it. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Uh, okay. I have a very offbeat one, uh, and that is Spider Man, but not. Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, this is um Japanese Spider-Man, is what we would refer to it here in the West. Uh, but when it came out, it was just called Spider-Man, and it's been getting a lot of um uh, I'm sure you if you if you've been watching like Into the Spider-Verse or uh stuff like that, you might have heard a little bit more about um about or across the Spider-Verse is the new one, sorry. Uh, a little bit more about like Japanese Spider-Man and, and the different Spider-Mans that exist. But this is uh, Marvel and uh, the group that did the Power Rangers, but not Saban's Power Rangers, like what the actual Power Rangers were before. Because mm-hmm. um, Saban used like Japanese footage to sort of supplement their high school drama thing for the Power Rangers. The, the guys who made that uh, and were making a lot of the Japanese um, stuff at the time, this was them making a Spider-Man. So they kind of Marvel started doing some comics using some of the characters from the Japanese TV shows, and they got to use characters from Marvel, one of which being Spider-Man. And originally he was going to be like a side character to right. a like Japanese samurai. And he just had like Spider-Man as a sidekick. But they'd like, no, let's actually, if we have Spider-Man, let's just do Spider-Man. So it's Spider-Man if he takes the um, 
the origin story of Ghost Rider. So he's a uh, 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 Takuya is the the character's main name, and uh, he is a motorcycle uh, expert and like motocross guy, and he meets a an alien from the planet Spider, who dies and turns into a spider, and then that spider dies, and then, but it's it's a it's sort of Power Rangers as there's a monster of the week. Uh, he turns into a the, the way that they could do the marketing for it is they they weren't allowed to sell any spider-man merchandise marvel would get all the licensing for spider-man merchandise but anything that was um exactly part of just this show they could sell so spider-man has a car a spider car that flies into a ship called the marveler and then has a uh mech called leopardon um that is a big giant fighting monster that that is what they ended up marketing to kids because all the japanese like shows at the time had to end with a battle with a giant uh mech versus a monster and this one does so it's a uh, it's a little formulaic in that there's a monster of the week they kind of kill it the same way because they lost the uh, the model for Le- Leopardon partway through they lost the costume and so a lot of the shots are you don't see it in the same shot as the monster I, I, I'm saying a lot of like weird things with it the show is crazy it's it's super bizarre but it has Stan Lee's stamp of approval he loved it he thought it was amazing um, because they like the climbing in it is real climbing when Spider-Man like scales a building at the beginning of the the credits they didn't have the budget to like put wires on the guy they just put the stuntman in a in a spider-man suit and said climb that building over there we're going to film it <laughs> so it's it's like legit uh spider manning around right. um there's some really cool fights in it the the plot lines are bizarre and crazy and the quotes uh and, and stuff for it is like I am Spider-Man, the emissary of death. So just a very different take on a beloved character. Um, you can find this online. Uh, there's a lot of a couple of places. I think YouTube has some videos and stuff on it. Look up the story on it. Um, Disney Plus just did a little like documentary on sort of old uh Marvel movies and stuff. And like this was one of the ones they did did one on, and the the actor who played uh gets interviewed and he is very very emotional on how much he loved being a part of this franchise even even just sort of you know the off-kilter version of it uh but uh yeah really cool just learn more about japanese spider-man if you have the time um i found uh all the episodes on um a thing called uh internet archive um archive.org uh, with a whole bunch of the episodes. I think there's 41 episodes total um, of Spider-Man just fighting the evil, um, oh gosh, it's like the evil Dr. Robot or, or something like that. But it's 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 very fun. It's very silly. Don't don't try to <laughs> don't try to take it too too seriously. Just enjoy it. Uh, and yeah, it's uh it's crazy. If you like uh, Voltron or power rangers it's got a lot of those vibes to it 
Um, and it's, it's silly and it's fun and it's great. Just the fact that it exists is just brings a smile to my face every time I think about it. So yeah, uh, Japanese Spider-Man, check it out. 1978. Yeah. So it was a TV show, but also they did a movie too, apparently. Yes. In one yeah. of in between two of the episodes, um, which I think is awesome. My experience with this is from Alamo Draft House. Um, you know, whenever you go see a Spider-Man movie or whatever, or see any movie, they've got themed content playing before the movie. And so they have free recently shown um, a lot of the 1978 Spider-Man. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's interesting because this uh, Spider-Man, like there was an American show in 1977 that was running kind of around this the same time. Uh, and it's just kind of weird to put them up side by side together. I think the stuff that they're doing with the Japanese Spider-Man is a lot more interesting and yeah. uh, silly and, and cool. I think they're playing a little safe on the American version. Um, so yeah, uh, check it out. You can just watch the the trailer for it. Um, I know Honest Trailers did a did a breakdown of it. Um, uh, Mr. Sunday Movies uh, did a did a breakdown as well for his Caravan of Garbage. It's it's just a real fun story. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Japanese Spider-Man, that, that does it for this week. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, send us your recommendations or uh, let us know what we might have missed from 1978 uh, or your thoughts on Godfather Part 2. You can email us at oneofusisalwaysright at gmail.com. Um, so we have a, a lot of recommendations for you this week. We are excited for um, Holdovers with Paul Giamatti. We're excited for The Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Martin Scorsese and DiCaprio. Uh, I'm really excited for season two of Invincible. Hopefully I can get Adam to watch season one of Invincible before, uh, before it releases in November. And uh, we're still excited for Next Goal Wins. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're excited to see where Blue Beetle goes, um, what, it, what it can bring to the or- origin story of Jaime Reyes and what this new DC universe is going to start to kind of shape into. Um, Adam did like Palm Springs, uh, but it wasn't not a huge recommendation. Date night recommendation, I think. Yeah, yeah. We landed on it. Yeah, I mean, go go watch it. You think you'll enjoy it. Um, just for me, Groundhog Day was more my speed. That's all. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah. Still, still great. Uh, and uh, Godfather Part Two, I'd watch it just for the music alone. Um, but it might not, might not be your favorite movie of all time, or it might be. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm gonna be watching Agatha Christie's The ABC Murders over our break, and we're gonna come back and talk about it. Uh, and getting to uh, 1978, we talked about Taxi. We talked about. Uh, National Lampoon's Animal House, uh, Force 10 from Navarone, and Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah. Adam, any last thoughts for this week? No, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, a little bit of a longer episode. Let us know what you think of that as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, well, probably won't happen every time, but it was fun. So. Yeah, good stuff today. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you later. See you.